Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is the Overnight Crowd on SEN. Jen Wallace keeping you company and keeping me company now. Alex Catalano, the editor and journo at Inner Sanctum, is joining me now to talk all things AFLW. The season regular has wrapped. We know who's heading into finals. So to wrap up all of the action, Alex, thanks again for joining us here on the Overnight Crowd. Thank you. You know, you're spot on, Jen. I can smell the finals footy in the air. It's very exciting. Huge week. Men's footy back, finals footy for the ASLW. So much to like in the world of AFL at the moment. It's taking over everything, isn't it? I mean, there is currently an Australian team playing in a test match and another Australian team playing in a Cricket World (laughs) Cup, but you'd be forgiven for forgetting that they're there because it is all about AFL right now. As far as I'm concerned, cricket ended (laughs) after the Ashes ended. (laughs) Very good. All right, well, let's get straight into it. On Friday, uh, the Giants finished their season on a win. They won by 18 over the Geelong Cats. Yeah, good to see Cora Staunton always at her best. You know, she's had her ups and downs in games this year, but I thought she was going to come that that close to actually tying the goal scoring. It was looking like for a minute um, with Ash Woodland's accuracy later in the week for the Crows that she might have, but... Mm. No, a fantastic performance by her. I think it was a deserved last win for the Giants, um, and I'm sure they'll be enjoying their Mad Monday celebrations today. Won't they just? And I actually had someone call up um, a previous shift about Cora and saying they were really keen to have her play on. Uh, Obviously, this season there was a bit of coverage with the fact that she's 40. Well, maybe a bit of synergy. She finished her last game for this season, four goals, one, 41. Maybe we will see her go around again. (laughs) A little bit of numerology, yeah. Maybe it's something in the stars, Jen. Sounds like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very good at finding random things where they're not there. So uh, good for uh, for the Giants to finish off with the win. The, the Cats, I'll be disappointed that they couldn't grab a couple more, but I still think they're a season that showed uh, significant improvement for them. Yeah, definitely. And they sort of said it in their own words on the, the club website and the club media that they did really develop their own sort of style under Dan Loesser this year. And I've talked about it through most of the season of that that high-pressure game that they play. It proved dividends in a few matches. They came really close. Mm. That game against the Lions, I reckon if they have their time again, uh, they'd come very, very close to winning that. And they had some really good games, like the win against the, the Tigers as well, the game against the Suns, and they nearly came back in the last quarter. I think they can definitely hold their heads up high for, for season 2022. And then we switch over. Uh, it was Collingwood with a big win of 38 over the Richmond Tigers. I was surprised by the deficit in that game, but Collingwood early in the weekend locked up the top six. Yes, 
They did. So they'll be heading to a, a rematch of the prelim final last year mm. with the elimination against Brisbane. Um, but no, they, they looked massive in this game, the Pies. Um, I, I've been surprised by them. I said it last week that they're hitting their stride at the best possible time, um, Collingwood. And luckily for them, they managed to survive that injury scare of Jamie Lambert last week. And not only that, she was best on ground too, Jen. So she, uh, she was clearly keen to prove a point. Um, out of this game so she was fantastic really the whole team is clicking at the moment and looking quite nice uh, I think they'll be feeling good heading into this match against Brisbane the Tigers um, another team whose season has come to an end um, similarly they, they can hold their heads up high like Geelong I feel if they miss those injuries early in the year if they have Christina Bernardi, Courtney Wakefield, Harriet Cordner, all those players all season long, plus Poppy Kelly as well was out for a big chunk of the season too. Mm. Ellie McKenzie missed the start. Um, we even forget that Eilish Ross went down at the very beginning of the season, so that's a huge loss off their half-back line too. I think you bring all those players back in for a full season, Richmond are, are knocking on the door of the, the top six, so I think they're well positioned for expansion next year, assuming they don't have too many of their players looked at, um, but if they can keep this group together, I think they'll be looking very nice for the future. Yeah, and if they can add someone, you know, even if they, for example, went after a Maddie Prasparkas, for example, and added her alongside Mon Conti, I think there'd be a lot to get excited about. So maybe they've got some big plays they can do in recruitment. Oh, well, my Essendon girls are going to be looking very closely at Maddie <laughs> as a Bomber supporter growing up uh, her entire life okay. and out from the, the colder area too, which is a little bit of the recruitment path for the Bombers. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if she's on the radars of uh, the team at Tullamarine. Ooh, that's good. Okay, the next game on the Saturday, uh, handed, well, confirmed the wooden spoon for the West Coast Eagles, North Melbourne, beating the Eagles by 39. Comfortable win for the Ruse, just... Uh, you know, tuning up, heading into finals. Yeah, poor West Coast. They were kind of the opposite of Frio across the year where mm. Frio seemed to really thrive in that hub environment, whereas the Eagles uh, really couldn't get it going, I think, that whole time period. Obviously, that they did manage to notch up that win against the Saints, so you'd have to say it's not a complete failure because... Well, there was a team that did finish last last year with the wooden spoon with no wins. So, um, you know, they'll be looking they'll be looking up on what the Suns did last year. But yeah, still still a fair ways to go for the Eagles. I think they really need to still work on building their depth over the next few seasons. I don't know they have those those players in the wings, those five or six that can be pushing for that best twenty two spot. Um, outside of the the players that are regularly in there. The youngsters are looking promising. Um, I think the Eagles fans should definitely be happy about what they're showing. Bella Lewis had another great mm-hmm. season, so they should be really happy what they saw from her. Charlotte Thomas, she's coming along nicely. Um, Belinda Smith off the half-back line, she was outstanding all year long. Um, so I, I think there's a bright future ahead of them. It might just be... Oh, you never know, even coming into expansion next year, they might have a few more winnable games against the teams that are building even more than them. Yeah, um, but North Melbourne, almost the exact opposite. The team that came in with a bang, they're still up there, they're still firing, uh, and they look also equally as poised as Collingwood coming into this final series to to really make waves. I think they'll be confident heading into the match against Frio, and why wouldn't you be confident when you've got a player by the name of Ash Riddell <laughs> who's picking up 42 disposals like they're nothing? That was an incredible stat. And the thing was, she's consistently done that. I know she hasn't hit 42 every week, but she has put in huge numbers round by round by round. What an incredible season Riddell's been having. 
Well, she broke the contested possession record as well earlier in the year. So now she's she's claimed two records of her own in season 2022. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be watching out for her in the votes on the night of the W Awards because she's certainly going to be right up there as one of the favourites. It does raise the question, what do teams do if she's getting that much ball? Like, Do you put your best player on her so they also get, get around the ball? I, I don't know, but she's just racking up too much to be not paid more attention to. Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum for Frio coming into this week because we know they've got a defensive force by the name of Kiara Bowers who, you know, lays tackles for breakfast. Um, so is she going to be one that goes to Ashradell? But then you look at removing her offensive presence if she's paying a lot of attention to Riddell um, in the middle. So uh, do they look at someone like Gabby O'Sullivan to maybe do a little bit of running with her? Or even Dana East has performed that role throughout the season, um, and she has been fantastic in the middle as well. So I could see her as one that goes on to Riddell. But the issue with North Melbourne is when you, you look at the depth they have through that midfield group, uh, if Riddell's getting the attention, then who's looking at Jenna Bruton and who's looking at Jazzy Garner yeah. and who's even looking at Mia King with the year that she's had? It's a very, very hard one to stop. It is very true. And they kicked 9-5, so they're a potent um, team moving the ball off halfback all the way through to scoring positions. We switch over to the last game on the Saturday, and this one was a thriller. It was a tussle, and it might just be exactly what Melbourne Demons needed. They won by one over Carlton. Yeah, maybe a little bit of that uh, wake-up call before finals. We've seen it happen before. I think back to to in the men's comp, Richmond in 2017, that game when they got absolutely smashed by St Kilda a few weeks out of finals, and it seemed to really kick them into a new gear. And I don't know if this might be similar for Melbourne with Carlton getting so close to them. Um, Obviously, the Blues haven't had a, a terrible second half of the season. In fact, it's been miles better than their first. And similarly to some of the other teams around them, I mentioned before, like the Giants and the Tigers, I think they'd be happy with what they managed um, with some of the the word around the players that are being looked at in the Carlton squad, <laughs> i.e. one Empress Sparkus. Um, <laughs> they, they might be in for a little bit of a slide next year, but definitely out of this season, you can see these players that are performing so strongly. Um, Nicola Stevens, she's kicked, I believe it's five goals in two weeks. She's mm-hmm. always been one that's been so consistent um, and she was again. Their whole back line's been awesome across the year as well. I think they definitely deserve the plaudits and of course Brianne Moody who's going to be in the Australian ruck contention. I think her and uh, her opponent from this game, Lauren Pierce, are yeah. going to be battling it out really, really hard. Um, but you know, you, you look at what Melbourne have done across the whole season. The midfield is outstanding. They all perform their role every week. Someone different is standing up in the middle every week. I thought last week um, it was Eliza West who did. This week you look at Lily Misson and um, you look at what she's done all season long. She's been so consistent. Tyler Hanks too, been an absolute force. Now, that number five in Melbourne's definitely <laughs> picking up some traction between her and Petrarca, but uh, this team is going to go far and they're going to be very, very happy that they're hosting a preliminary final, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, as we continue to roll through, it is the Adelaide Crows who secured the minor premiership with a 39 win over a point win over St Kilda. Yeah, the Crows have been another team that's looked nearly unfallible. The Dogs are only the only ones that were able to do it. 
uh, across the year. This has got to be up there as one of the best AFLW seasons, I think, from a single team. Um, just you look at, you compare them to maybe the, those North Melbourne and Frio teams of 2020 that just looked unbeatable and a step above everyone else. Um, the Crows have had challenges thrown at them. Every other top six team they've played, they've beaten, uh, which if you're going into a finals matchup yeah. against them, especially a prelim final at Norwood Oval, uh, that is a very, very scary prospect. And it's just these players that stand up week after week. I'm a bit worried for them with Eloise Jones potentially suspended. Yeah. Uh, she copped one week for a bit of rough conduct. Uh, she's so important to their ball movement. Uh, she's been awesome delivering the ball inside 50 uh, all season long. So that's a bit of a worry. They do have the players that can step up behind her, but she's obviously the first choice for a reason. So I think that'll be one thing to watch coming into the preliminary final is how do they make up for her, the lack of um, Jones on the side. You're very spot on there. That could be a big out for them. And the last game, which officially was round 12, as they, we randomly had things uh, fixed <laughs> to fix up for COVID, uh, Frio, they needed this. They had a couple of really hard weeks uh, 7-4-46, they beat the Suns to just the nine behinds. Yeah, the Dockers, uh, obviously last week was, was not the game they wanted and not the game that any uh, <laughs> footy supporter wanted to see. With Really, it was great to see the Ds put that score up, but Frio, uh, you know, not at full strength. It was yeah. it was almost sad to watch for them. <laughs> um, but they made up for it in this game. They were really strong against Gold Coast. Uh, Kiara Bowers came back in, which was great to see. Like I said, she's going to be so vital coming into the, the final series. So great to see that she's still at full fitness. Um, you can't go past the Antonios as well. Two goals between them. Very happy household for the rest of the week, I think. <laughs> Their whole forward line was firing. Gemma Houghton, another two goals. Um, for what's been a sort of up-and-down year for her, it was good to see her get herself back on the scoreboard. Um, but even defensively as well, Ange Stanett and Sarah Veria, um, two very, very underrated players of the competition, and they were both immense. Stanett in particular, I think she had something ridiculous, like 11 intercepts, which is just nearly yeah. unheard of. She was awesome just kept throughout the game. She's there. She's there cleaning Oh, yeah, she, yeah, I saw the post on their yeah. socials, and I don't know how they, they thought ahead with that one, with that picture in the preseason photo day, but credit to, to Brett and the rest of the media team at the Dockers, because that was absolutely outstanding. <laughs> um, but, but on the other side of the coin, the Suns, of course, their season comes to a close out of this game. Uh, might be in for a bit of pain, I think, the Gold Coast in the next year. Just looking at some of the players that do have connections elsewhere, uh -huh. I know Sarah Perkins is very strongly tied to Hawthorne, and of course her, her old coach, Beck Goddard, is going to be leading the charge next year, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see her um, making way to Victoria. Even some of the other players who have maybe a bit more loose links, like Tara Bahana and Ali Drennan, who obviously have both spent a lot of time around St. Kilda as well. Drennan uh, was playing with the Hawks in the VFLW last year too, so uh, I could see them very well being coaxed back to Melbourne, especially with the year that Bohana had. Um, her, her goal kicking, just to finish in the top five, I thought, is an absolute credit to herself, and she showed that she should not have been overlooked for as long as she has, because she is now one of the best goal kickers that the AFLW has to offer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, credit all around for what the Suns are able to do, but uh, I do worry for them coming into next season. Yeah, it is a concern with, as you said, the connections they've got. The other side that I'd probably have those similar concerns, and I think you touched on it as well, is is GWS with the uh, 
incoming Sydney Swans. Uh, we already know it's you know more expensive to live in Sydney. Uh, I think GWS have spoken a bit about how they're paying overs, not in the sense of talent, but in the sense that you have to in order for people to relocate their lives. So they're another side that might have a bit of pain as we expand a little bit. And speaking of that expansion, I think the Sydney Swans have actually announced their first signing. They have. They announced today uh, Ruby Sergeant Wilson, who is a teenage recruit out of their academy, which is great to see that that academy is producing players very quickly now. Last year, obviously, in the draft, the Giants picked up Jess Doyle, who is the, the captain of the Swans Academy. Um, and you talk about players wanting to get out of the Giants. She might be at the top of the agenda when the Swans are looking at recruiting. Um, but, yeah, she's a, she's a crazy athlete, um, Sergeant Wilson. She's represented the, the state, the city teams in basically about every sport you could imagine. Um, so she's definitely an athletic specimen. And uh, the club has spoken about her as such. They're really high on her, her endurance and her ability to get around the ground. So I think she'll be definitely a key piece of that midfield group, maybe even a winger type, um, depending on how she develops. I guess she's still obviously very young. Um, She played a bit of footy in the AFLW Under-19 Championships last year, representing the Allies. Mm -hmm. So she she had herself uh, an all right time in those games. Didn't um, rack up the disposals too much, but definitely made her case for, for being drafted. So I think she's a fantastic way to start. Good to see Hawthorne and Sydney both looking at their future first and foremost and building around these youngsters. I think it's fantastic. It is very good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, Alex, if you can stick around, because one thing I'd like to uh, get your thoughts on before we let you go on the overnight crowd is this discussion of August being the ideal uh, restarting time for the AFLW and, of course, to get your thoughts on who's going to win in week one of finals. You're on the overnight crowd. Stick around, everyone. will be time for your calls and texts after we have this second chat with Alex Catalano, the editor and journo at Inner Sanctum, talking all things AFLW. Welcome back to the Overnight Crowd. 0433981116 is the number for your text messages to come in. Sticking with us and sticking with the chat around AFLW, Alex Catalano, the editor and journo at Inner Sanctum, has been good enough to spend his time with us over this show to talk about the AFLW. We've wrapped round 10. We've looked at the Sydney Swans' first signing. Let's now turn our attention, and I would love your thoughts, your pros, your cons, on this idea of starting the next AFLW season in August this year. Yeah, the August start is a very interesting one, Um, Jen, looking at the state of the competition at the moment. Obviously, we want to get to an 18-team competition as soon as possible, and that seems to be the AFL's uh, agenda at the moment is to to get all 18 teams up and running. Mm -hmm. I can understand it um, as as someone who is a fan of one of the four teams remaining in (laughs) in the Bombers. It it has been, I'll say it has been a little bit hard at times to feel connected to any one of the, the particular teams. It's obviously getting into the AFL and not only seeing it from a journalistic perspective, but from a fan perspective as well. Um, it's been more, I suppose, getting attached to the players and the, the competition itself rather than a team because, you know, obviously when you don't have your own side in there, it's it's a bit like that. So I understand it from that sense. And I think that is a pro, getting all four of those fan bases invested uh, yeah. from as early as possible in August. But the big con, and uh, I think what everybody's been talking about 
so far is how it's going to affect the players. August is such a quick turnaround from the end of this season. We're going to be getting the grand final in the the first week of April, um, which means players are only going to have a month, a month and a half away from footy before. If we're starting in August, preseason is going to be starting two odd months out. Um, So we're looking at, you know, a a May sort of start, a a June sort of start for preseason, which obviously isn't ideal um, considering players need, you know, they need time to recover and some of them are going to be going back and playing state footy as well, which opens up a whole new can of worms given those competitions Mm. don't finish until the middle of the season. Um, So that's another angle of it, um, which obviously doesn't benefit the players when they are either going to have to choose to to take an extended break away and not play state footy. That might be a bit of a discussion to be had over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think that's a really uh, pertinent one is the fact that you've got players on the current list right now who usually would return to state league footy, um, importantly for their own football development. But, you know, with the risk of, of injuries and the fact that really they're you know, AFL sides would be coming and saying, look, you actually need to rest because we've got pre-season starting in four weeks' time. So, no, you're not going to go back and play. Uh, that's a, an interesting one, isn't it? Because that means they're just training players. They're not really playing the sport that they love and the reason they're there for it. Well, essentially, yeah, they can only put so many games into their body before it starts becoming detrimental as opposed to actually helping their, their development. But, you know, yeah, those players who are who are cross-coders, who have just been drafted sure. last year or the year before, they're the ones that need that important time playing state footy just to not only keep getting a feel for the game at the top level, but, yeah, exactly, work their own development and, and keep their, their pace and momentum up. You know, there were players from, from young developing sides like the Bulldogs and Richmond who had really big finishes to the state league season and it, it really propelled them into the AFLW season. I think of some of the young Bulldogs like Elizabeth George Stathis and Sarah Hartwig, um, Izzy Pritchard, Izzy Grant, who all had really strong finishes to the VFLW season and, and came out looking better for it, yeah. um, which we're not going to quite see these players get offered if they have to rest and recuperate before the season starts. Not only that, but their lives as well. Mm-hmm. 90% of these players are working outside of footy um, because you know they need to do something else to support themselves. Um, it's all well and good for, for players who are entering the media and that kind of thing who who are around the footy industry otherwise, but not all of them are going to get offered that luxury, unfortunately. So they still do have to work jobs that are demanding and not only of their time, but their energy. They need to invest in those as well. Um, it has a knock-on effect as well for draftees and the Irish players too is going to be a really, really big one. Um, obviously, if we're, if we're going in August, draftees need to be in by, you'd have to say, June at the latest so they can start pre-season. But a lot of these girls are going to still be in year 12 and they need to do their exams. Yep. Obviously, they need to, to have options outside of footy so they can't afford to, to not focus on their exams. Are they going to even be able to, to debut um, when they still need to be studying and preparing for these exams. That's another question that I think needs to be discussed, and I'm sure the Players Association will be raising all of these things with the AFL. Um, as I touched on with the Irish players too, that's going to clash with their Gaelic football camogie seasons. They've been such a big part of the game. I just talked about Cora Staunton before. Um, we'd be doing such a big disservice to, to the competition if we couldn't see players like Cora, like Ola O'Dwyer and Sarah Rowe mm-hmm. um, come back and, and keep playing the game because 
they're some of the most exciting parts of the competition at the moment. And not just that, but their influence is felt at home too. There are dedicated shows to the AFLW in Ireland simply because they have some of their great sports people playing over here and it's drawing eyes. Um, So that's a big part that we could possibly lose as well. I think there's a lot of factors to say that the decision is one that it has benefits, but I think when you look at the negatives, the negatives seem to be affecting the players first and foremost. Yes, yeah, and I think there's big things. There's the CBA, of course, that we know those things take time, and yet I think for the players and for the staff and for the associations, you really want to have that stuff lined up. So you're right in there's – it probably sits – we can see the pros to it and you can sort of think, okay, maybe it is a better time slot of a calendar year that it should start in, so we agree with it. Um, but yeah, maybe we just need to understand some other information underneath it because right now it does seem like a, you know, the players, unless they turn around and contract them all, them all and, and they get to be able to go, oh, great. Okay. I can, I can stop everything. I can actually go on a holiday. Uh, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. need to worry about the fact that I've used up all my leave already. <laughs> um, you know, cause that's the other thing is, is you think about the leave, not only for the season they've just used up thinking they've got the rest of their calendar year at work to build up that credibility and that leave balance again for next season. They just don't have that available to even take a holiday themselves to recover, um, to make training sessions in preseason, to go on preseason camps, let alone play those games. So I guess I feel like there's another big announcement that has to be made alongside this one Mm -hmm. for us all to stop and go, okay, we get it and we see the vision and we see you putting the steps in place and now we're all on board. I think we're all sitting in a little bit worried at the moment as fans and as as worried for the players. Yeah, exactly. And I know I hate having to make this argument because it's not something that should even have to be brought up, but this is not something men's AFL players would ever have to worry about. Um, And it's, it's not putting the players in the best position to play their best footy because they do need a fair go at it realistically to... You know, if you want to see the competition grow and these players be able to excel and perform at the best of their abilities, they need to have the best chance to do that. Um, and with that August start, some of them are just not going to get the chance to do so. We've already had to see players sit out of the game. I think of Sabrina Duffy last year, yep. who had to sit out this season because she had to prioritise her work yeah. over over playing footy. Um, in an ideal world, no player has to even think about um, a job unless they're, they're doing something in the off-season um, as, you know, a hobby or a side thing, um, not having to balance two main things just to, to keep their careers alive. Just Wuchner as well from Brisbane just announced the other day she'd be sitting out uh, the, for an indefinite period of time to focus on her mental health. And I think, obviously, we can't speculate on what exactly uh, Jess is going through it. She's said it to mental health and 100% the club and all the AFLW world backs are on that. But you can definitely link it to players speaking up about feelings of burnout and just not feeling up to being able to, to juggle everything they need to do all at once. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, with, with this kind of pressure on them now across the next 12 months, uh, we might see more players having to, to choose to sit out because they simply can't balance their lives around it. So... Um, obviously that's worst case scenario and we hope that everybody gets a chance to keep playing footy, but um, it's about giving all the players the best chance possible to do so. 
Well, the, the thing that we can finish on with the idea of being excited is the fact that there'd be the full allotment of teams so fans can actually align with their teams. If we go back to that excitement, that's going to be a really cool point of this. Uh, and then let's just finish off this chat, Alex. It's been great to have you on. We've got the first week of finals, both games on Saturday. North Melbourne take on Fremantle. Who wins that game? Oh, that is a very tough one. Is. This is going to be great. I'm going to be so excited to see these two teams under a finals atmosphere. They were supposed to play well. They they didn't win their prelims, but 99% sure they would have in 2020 and faced off against each other mm. in a, a grand final between what would have been one of the best games of AFLW, no doubt. But we finally get to see them match off uh, in a final setting. I think it's very, very hard because obviously we got to see um, Freo bounced back last week, but North Melbourne uh, have been looking very, very good since a couple of losses that they might want to put behind them um, against Melbourne and Brisbane. I think they've bounced back well from that with a confidence booster against West Coast. Like I mentioned before, they've got a lot to worry about in the midfield. Their forward line, when it's looking at its best, is absolutely unstoppable. Um, Talia Randall is always a force in the air to be reckoned with, but Freo, I don't know. The forward line's a bit inconsistent for me. The midfield mm. is outstanding. The defence is outstanding. I think these two teams match up really well against each other. Uh, in the game they played earlier in the year, obviously it was North who took it, but once again, no Kiara Bowers for Freo, who we know is just so important um, for them. I think it's going to come down to, to who can nullify uh, the, the bigger players of each team. I think if, if Freo can find that perfect matchup in the middle, um, for Ashford Dell, like I said, Dana East could be the one. I think they could find themselves on top. Um, but likewise, if North can can really take advantage of that forward line and, and make sure it doesn't fire, I think they could be on top as well. My gut is saying North Melbourne at <laughs> home just because it is at Arden Street. But as Trent Cooper said post-game, um, they did really enjoy the travelling uh, earlier in the year, so they might be up and about as well. But... I think it's going to be a very, very tight game, and I'll take North Melbourne just. Okay, just North Melbourne for you. And quickly, Brisbane Lions and Collingwood should be another belter. That is the second game on Saturday. Yeah, like I said before as well, prelim rematch between these two sides. Uh, It was a great final last year. came right down to the line. Um, I think the Lions are in better touch at the moment. The Pies have hit some good form, uh, but I just see with these huge midfield outs, Benici and Davey, obviously they haven't had Davey all year, but uh, Jamie Lambert can't do it all by herself. Michaela can looked a bit proppy last week, so she might be, uh, if not out, a little bit of a worry in terms of her fitness. So uh, I'm going to say the Lions do it, which sets up some very exciting prelims <laughs> next week, and I cannot wait to both watch and uh, take a look at those. Well, Alex, I can't wait to talk to you about the finals that occurred and the finals that will be occurring when we chat next week. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for an extensive chat here on The Overnight Crowd. No worries, and thank you for having me again. Uh, That is Alex Catalano, the editor and journo at the Inner Sanctum and fellow AFLW Nuffy uh, getting excited about the AFLW Finals Week 1 coming up. Who's going to win? Let me know, 0433 98 11 16. Will it be North Melbourne or Frio or will it be Lions or Collingwood? Stick around, you're on the Overnight Crowd with Jen Wallace. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.